Hi, Mamas. Or Mamas to be. I'm Kayla. And I'm Tara. And welcome, welcome to, to Motherhood, motherhood Leaked. We're two first time mums leaking unfiltered tales of motherhood. Being there, getting there, and possibly getting lost along the way. Let's, Let's chat. chat. May contain swearing. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Motherhood Leaked. Hi, Kayla. Hi, Tara. How are you today? I'm good. I'm actually feeling a little bit tired, um, but who isn't in my <laughs> life? But other than that, no, I'm doing well. How are you? I am okay. I'm good. Um, obviously, we're getting towards the pointy end of pregnancy. Mm. Bo's doing lots of little transitions and I'm trying to get us all prepared to become a family of four. I ended up buying Bo a doll. I think I mentioned it previously that I was going to do that. Yeah, I think you'd said that he was playing with one at daycare. Yeah, and my dad was like, we can't buy him a doll. This is a comment he made. And I think yeah. I said, what, am I going to raise a good father? Yes, <laughs> yes. Um, so you got a doll for him. How's got it? a doll for him. I just came out and I'm like, I'm just going to get you a little doll. Just see how yeah. you take to it. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. He is obsessed. So mm. I'm like, what are we going to call the doll? And he's like, Harry. I don't know any Harrys. Well, you don't like know any Harry. I don't know who. He just came up with Harry. Harry is the name of the doll. Love that. Um, Harry comes everywhere with us currently. <laughs> he bottle feeds Harry. Harry sleeps next to his bed. He baths oh, Harry. That is so sweet. He's actually been super gentle with it. And I'm just amazed. Um, so, and then I went to daycare and picked him up and I was like, oh, is there a Harry here? And the teacher's like, he's got a Harry Potter drink bottle. And I was like, oh, <laughs> like Bo does. Bo does. Oh. It was just a spare one I had. And she's like, he's got a Harry Potter drink bottle. I'm like, that's probably where he got it from. (laughs) I love that. But so, yeah, we're doing well with Harry. So we've already got a new addition to the family. Um, So you actually become family of five. We were family of five. Actually, it worries me how much work I have to put into Harry. (laughs) I was like, he's going to do his own thing. But he's like, mum, we need to change Harry for bed. And I was like, ugh. I'm like, literally (laughs) made a rod for my own back. Oh, my God. That's so funny. You would have never thought. I never would have thought. But he's, yeah. That is good, though. That's nice. And good good timing. I'm hoping, yeah, that it will lead to a, a smoother transition. We will see. I will update everyone on that. Well, yes, keep us updated. And also in today's episode when we um, are talking all things aware parenting yes, um, with Marion Rose, yeah. we did talk about this transition this time. We did, so, yeah. So we can deep dive into that in the episode. And we also talked a lot around children their emo- or the babies particularly and yes. their emotions, which yeah. is... Yeah. And how far back they go too. I think yes. we just think kids like maybe form trauma or things over, you know, span well, there's of a that few saying years. of like, oh, you know, kids don't remember this time, so yes, don't even worry. Exactly. But it's like not that we should worry, but it's actually recognising that, no, they actually do hold, things. hold emotional trauma from not being able to understand situations and yep. have space to do that. Anyway, we will jump in. Let's get into it. Let's go. If you're based on the Gold Coast, Bump Southport offers a community for all women. Whether you're returning to or starting your fitness journey, Bump has something for you. Particularly if you're pregnant or postpartum. And Tara, should we mention that you can have a shower after a class and even wash your hair while your kid is in the creche? And Kayla, don't worry about a towel because they supply them, as well as tea and coffee, and you can drink it while it's hot. I know, this sounds all too good to be true, but head on over to Bump Southport and check them out for yourself. Welcome, Marion Rose, PhD uh, from Aware Parenting. How are you, Marion? I'm really well, thank you. How are you both? Great. We're really good and we're very excited to have you here today. I was saying to Tara earlier how um, it feels a bit nostalgic to me that we're actually having an in-person conversation because without you even knowing, you were very much a um, mothering figure through my my early motherhood um, months. Uh, when I had Elliot and he was only about five or six months old and I started listening to the Aware Parenting podcast and um, yeah, my eyes were open to everything that is the beautiful part of Aware Parenting. So we're very excited to have you here today. 
Oh, I'm so delighted to be here. And I always love hearing stories like that. Yeah. Like, oh, yay. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Are you able to tell us a bit more about yourself? Um, because you're so amazing and I wouldn't be able to list it all. <laughs> it's always so funny as well because people ask me and then it takes me about 10 minutes. So I'm really aiming to do a very condensed version. Is, <laughs> That's okay. Which is, basically, which is basically I've been involved in developmental psychology for about 35 years now. And I actually realized this week, so it's this week, not this week, this year, I've been working with people therapeutically for 30 years. So I started training as a psychotherapist 30 years ago, and I finished my PhD on postnatal depression and the mother-infant relationship also 30 years ago. So that's wow. oh, a, <laughs> a milestone. And so really, I've been passionate about understanding mothers and babies and the effect of our birth and time in utero and our early childhood on how, you know, how we turn out as adults and supporting people so that we can really stay connected to ourselves by the time we are adults and, and heal from stress and trauma. And so what happened was I was really involved in um, research and being a psychotherapist, but then I moved to Australia from England and uh, was looking to conceive and was looking for some kind of parenting that would fit with everything that I knew about developmental psychology, about the pre and perinatal effects. And also I'd read the continuum concept as well back in 1992. So I was really into understanding the cultural effects as well. And I found this thing called Aware Parenting by Aletha Salter, PhD. And it was like, you know, the angels sang and the light shot. Oh, oh my God, this is it. And really, I've been passionate about aware parenting ever since I became an aware parenting instructor 18 years ago. So I've been working with parents for 18 years. Uh, I was also a hypnobirthing and calm birth instructor. So I've also been, you know, worked in, in you know, again, supporting parents to have the most optimal birth possible. And uh, so I'm the regional coordinator for Aware Parenting in Australia and New Zealand. I'm a level wow. two Aware Parenting instructor. And I've also created this other thing. So, so I was doing this psychotherapy and all these people were coming and sharing about their childhood. And then I thought, well, it'd be really more helpful to, to work with parents so that their children don't need to have therapy when they grow up. And then when I was working with parents with Aware Parenting, I realized, oh, my gosh, of course, you know, in my own journey too, we are so invited to do a profound journey of reparenting whilst we're parenting our children in these new ways. So then I developed this thing called the Marian method, which part of that is reparenting ourselves as well. So I love the combination of the two and I train people to become aware parenting instructors and Marian okay. method mentors, which is the two Amazing. elements. Yeah. I love that. So, That's so wonderful. Yeah. It's, um, I know Kayla said she heard, you know, heard about you when Elliot was only five or six months old. Now, babies are the same age, you know, toddlers, should I say? They're mm. two years old now. Oh. Um, and I actually didn't hear about your podcast or aware, much about aware parenting till probably, you know, a few months ago mm. when Kayla had mentioned you to me. Yes. Um, and I must admit, I went back and I started listening from the very beginning and it was just so eye-opening. I had a lot of, you know, I had a really hard first, fourth trimester, I'll say. Mm. Um and when I heard some of those episodes, the lift off me, like the guilt, I guess, because when Bo was so unsettled and I was just going through all this stuff, I was like, oh, my God, what am I doing wrong? What have I done? And when I listen to your podcast and hear about like I, afterwards, after birth, I had like a bit of a traumatic time. But knowing that Bo like wasn't with me for a few hours and I was like, oh, my God, he's probably got his own trauma that he's dealing with. 
And it really just clicked something in me and this weight felt, I felt lifted because I was just like, it's not my fault. Like mm. maybe it's not my fault. And it's like, it's so this little person has more feelings and things that I understand. Um, so, yeah, it really blew my mind that information on your podcast and I'm still not even halfway through it because there's so much information. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, I just I did lift a weight off my shoulders just to think yeah. that, oh, maybe, you know, I was doing everything right and this little human was just struggling a little bit. Yeah, that's what I love. Uh, so often here, parents coming to our parenting. And actually, I've just got my next book coming out. And the, the, on the back, one of the first thing it says is, um, you're not failing if you you can't stop your baby from crying to, you know, to really understand that, you know, in utero, that babies have real feelings and yeah. that they try to express those. And that's part of the way they heal from stress and trauma in our loving arms, of course, you know, with yes. our loving support. And the other thing, you know, in the Marian method, the key part that I really love with mothers is really supporting them to get free from guilt and seeing guilt as a whole cultural conditioning piece that we really can get free from and so yeah that's a beautiful combination as well absolutely and so do you think you could speak to us a bit more about what aware parenting is and how for some people who haven't heard about it um, how it differs differs from other parenting methods yeah sure so as I said it was developed by an amazing woman called Aletha Salter PhD and it's got three core aspects the first is attachment style parenting, which we know all about, you know, lots of closeness as much as possible, um, responding promptly to babies and children's needs. The second part is non-punitive discipline. So that means not using punishments, but also not using rewards, not using kind of bribes and, you know, the, the things that can so easily kind of creep Be in so when, easy. We, when we feel powerless to just try and get them to do what we want them to do. But, and you might say, well, what do we do if we're not using those? <laughs> well, aware parenting, it's really about understanding the reasons for children's behavior. So what we do is really work on that cause level rather than trying to, to kind of coerce them or get them to do things. It's actually really understanding why they're behaving in the ways that they do and really changing things on that deep causal level. Yeah. And then the third element, which is really where it differs from many other parenting paradigms, which is really understanding the effects of stress and trauma, and that would say probably the majority of the things that parents find challenging are actually symptoms of unhealed stress and trauma. Mm. And so it's really understanding that right from in utero, during birth, early childhood, you know, children, babies are very sensitive. They're really affected by what they experience. And they come into the world with this inbuilt ability to heal from stress and trauma. But because in our culture, we're not taught this as parents, you know, as mothers, as fathers, we are often doing things that actually work against those innate processes. So the more we really understand how to cooperate with this incredible innate wisdom that babies and children have, the more we can help them naturally be really calm and relaxed in their bodies, to, to sleep peacefully and easily, to be calm and connected, to cooperate, to be naturally gentle. You know, all the things that we often find so hard in parenting it really can make a massive effect it's not to say it's easy it's it's <laughs> mm. it's pretty hard to practice because of course we haven't you know we weren't raised in these ways and we live in a culture that's set against really meeting the needs of babies and children but it is a phenomenal um, approach really amazing I love it <laughs> and really not just even meeting the needs of our children but of ourselves like yes. and, and that that whole dynamic so I love that you pair you know looking at the child but also at the mothers and the families yeah. um and I was telling Tara how um yesterday Elliot and I 
had some really beautiful release time. Like I'd allowed him, I could just sense it in him that it was building up. And obviously since listening to aware, like having listened to your podcast and being very much aware myself of aware parenting, going through a lot of healing since becoming a mother, it's always been on the forefront of my mind that, you know, his behavior doesn't reflect behavior. It's, you know, what's going on in his internal world. And we're saying to Tara, you know, how hard it is though, to actually find the space to really let them release, like to really let it all flow out. And just upon reflection, I was like, you know, it's, it's uncomfortable as a mother to sit through, you're kind of sitting there wondering how long is this going to go on for? I have to be honest. Like when I started doing it, I remember Elliot was only, I think I really started to try not tending to needs being like, okay, he is fed. He, he is warm. He is safe. Like, this is just a feeling. I reckon it would have been around maybe 11 months, 12 months. And I found it really uncomfortable to begin with because it, you have all those you know thoughts ticking over is it doubt? Like you have the doubt. Is it, am I wrong? Like, is he, is he actually just thirsty and I'm preventing him from having water? And <laughs> you but, always want um, there to be a reason at times. Yeah, because like you what, do. Otherwise, because that's when you turn into the, what am I doing wrong? Isn't yes, it? definitely. So I must say from that point, like I did experiment with it early on and I found a bit of a balance of like, I guess, navigating how to sit with my own feelings and his, but yesterday we had this beautiful moment where I was like, no, you just need a release and I'm just going to sit here and hold the space. And it went on for about 40 minutes and it was beautiful. Like it was these ebbs and flows like we go through when we have tears where you're like really heightened and it comes out really hard and fast and you're, there's that anger behind them almost. And then you soften and relax and his whole energy shifted after it. We were, we spent a lot of time with our good friends, our neighbors, and we went back over and everyone was like, you could feel his energy had changed in the room. And it was such a beautiful thing, but I did want to kind of, um, talk to that point of like culturally it is hard to do that like even this morning he had feelings again and we were out at the park and like of course like I'm very much aware that it doesn't matter what people think but it's still those thoughts that Mm. tick over and I often sit here thinking like oh if we had that village mentality like we used to where you're just all together all the time you would just be all there together and you'd have another mother there being like just doing her thing with you too and it's just these other pressures so it is very much um an interesting time navigating both getting your needs met in this. Yeah, it's a huge journey. And I love that you bring in the village. And that's why I like to talk about the bigger cultural perspective. Mm -hmm. And I often like to, you know, say, imagine if you were practicing aware parenting and you were living with a community of Mm. 30, 50, 100 other people who, you know, children were securely attached with them as Mm. well as with us. And at any point in time, that's one of my puppies. I don't know if you can hear the little (laughs) footsteps. (laughs) But, um, you know, that they would be, you know, they could go to anybody to have their feelings mm. to I mean so much of what's so challenging is that we're living in these ways that we're really not meant to live in and really to speak to what you're talking about too it's a huge journey isn't it to mm. become comfortable deeply comfortable with big feelings because most of us were in, for the most loving of reasons because mm. our parents didn't know this either we were distracted or you know all kinds of things happened and I think for me what I realize and notice over the years you know my daughter's 21 and my son's 17 now is that in those first few years it was a lot about getting more and more comfortable with it and particularly in public you know like mm. you say I really remember there was one time we were visiting England so I used to go back every year for a few years when my children were little and you know they would have really big feelings when we were there you know lots of new people and new things yeah. and going on planes and you know all the all the thing and so there was one time when I was with my daughter and she was about four and we went ice skating because I loved ice skating. And 
suddenly these really big feelings were bubbling up, but we both had ice skates on. So like we got off the ice, but there's no way I could suddenly get her ice mm. skates off while she was moving to this <laughs> massive cry and big rage. So I just sat there and I have, I have really long hair. So I just kind of <laughs> put my hair down, <laughs> let the long hair kind of, you know, almost kind of hide us a little yeah. bit. And just I, I, what I really realized from that experience was that if, you know, particularly in England, because that English culture is even more like, you know, stiff up a lip and don't cry and, you know, all of that stuff. But I thought to myself, even if one pe- parent went away from observing us, just going, that was strange, wasn't it? That mother didn't, she didn't try to distract her child. She didn't punish mm. her. She, like, that's really interesting, isn't it? Like, just, you know, to to invite other parents to... um you know, to see things differently. And after that, I just felt really comfortable. And mm. people would often come over in public if my children ever were having big feelings. And I would just say, you know, they're just, they're just letting out. They're fine. I, you know, I've got this. Mm. And um, the other beautiful thing is about aware parenting, as I find as children get older, if we listen to their big feelings, they would generally express their big feelings at home and they'll be less likely to express them in the supermarket or in places mm-hmm. where we might feel not so comfortable. So that can make it easier yeah. for us as well. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but I do like the way that you put that about how it does just, it may spark curiosity in someone. Cause I think I always get caught up in the, mm. I hear that voice. that's like, Oh, these people are going to be, what are they going to be thinking? And um, almost frustration when someone tries to come over and be like, Oh, what's, you know, what's he doing? And Kenny, does he want They're this? Hungry. And I'm just like, they must be hungry. Yeah, they must They're be tired. Hungry. They They're must tired. be tired. Yeah. Like I, just get really caught up in that and it almost yeah it ruins my presence with him because I get a bit like oh like it's yeah. already like you're already trying so it's I like so that I'm gonna keep that one in the back of my mind and try and reframe yes, yes. and that's why I had that always had that little phrase too because I found that too everyone trying to distract her like every you know basically everybody else's big feelings that they didn't get to have expressed as children come up so they're desperately trying to distract mm, these yeah. feelings so that they're not feeling them themselves and I used to find like that how do I fix it yeah, if I just calmly said, you know, I'm, I'm just listening to their feelings mm. and they're fine and I've got this, and it would almost be they'd go, oh, okay, yeah. great, <laughs> everything's okay. <laughs> Can you talk to that point a little bit more about just like I'm here and I'm listening and not distracting and how where parenting addresses the perception of tantrums and other parenting challenges that come up? Yeah, so mainly tantrums, big feeling, a big crying is really seeing in aware parenting, there are two main core ways that children heal from stress and trauma and really understanding that all babies and all children experience stress a lot. Uh, and all children and all babies will experience some trauma, you know, mini traumas, and some will experience bigger, you know, particularly in relation to birth and separation and just, you know, when we're stressed. So really there's this understanding every time that they experience something stressful or traumatic, they go into a fight or flight state so there's this energy mobilized to fight or flee. And they're also then meant to come out of that state. And so they come back to homeostasis and, and calm and centeredness. And the main way they do that really is through actually expressing feelings. So they get to um, cry and rage. And you think about that fight or flight, it's um, you know making a loud noise. Imagine if we had a, a saber-toothed tiger coming, we might want to go, ah! Mm. like that and we might want to fight by pushing pushing with our hands kicking with our feet that's all part of our amazing innate you know survival mechanism but what happens is and particularly in a modern culture that we having lots of that kind of thing happen all the time you know for a baby going in a car going to a shopping center being in a busy place that's overwhelming for them we can't we 
however much we aim to meet their needs, we cannot protect them from Mm -hmm. experiencing all stress and trauma. But what happens is after that experience, they have also an inbuilt process to, to release all the stress, to heal from the stress and trauma. And that is through crying and and or raging so that means that ah you know like the loud noise getting to release the loud noise that wanted to come out in that fight or flight response wanting to you know it's that classic tantrum if a child's having a tantrum and there's lots of movement of the arms and legs actually releasing tension that was mobilized to fight or flee so basically when a child is having a a, a big cry or a big tantrum they they are doing what their body knows how to do how to to heal from stress and trauma and if we can be there with them lovingly so with a baby that's always in our arms mm-hmm. with a toddler or an older child that's being close with them and you know really playing with um, how much they want us to be close or what supports them to really have the most optimal healing process and that they will go through and you know as you talked about often this kind of crescendo feelings maybe the feelings kind of dissipate a bit and then they'll, they'll not dissipate they are dissipating because mm. they're being released but they quieten down and then there might be another crescendo and what will happen is if they get to particularly if they get to move through the whole chunk of feelings they they've actually then healed from that experience and they will come out the other side and their body will be in a state of homeostasis which means calm and relaxed present you know like you talked about your son it's a palpable experience of like mm. they're ah oh, they're relaxed they're calm in their bodies they often will want to cuddle up with us they might smile if they were mm-hmm. tired they might fall asleep and they've basically released a whole lot of stress and trauma from their bodies yeah, definitely. But as I say, because we don't understand this, we so often with babies and children, we're doing a lot of the time distracting them or thinking that we're meeting a need when actually they it's not a need, they have feelings to express. And this means that for most babies and children, or all really, every single time those feelings accumulate in their bodies, that stress accumulates in their bodies. And over time, we'll often see with babies, they will, as this accumulation happens, they'll start avoiding eye contact they'll start getting more and more a bit more agitated in their bodies they'll start taking longer to be able to go to sleep because in order to go to sleep we need to feel relaxed they'll start waking up more often they'll just be more antsy they'll start making more agitated kind of vocalizations so from the aware parenting perspective as i said earlier most of the things we find challenging as parents are actually the result of accumulated feelings things like um, you know, what's often called cluster feeding and other paradigms, frequent night waking, challenges going to sleep as the birdies are yeah. here. Um, <laughs> Chirping, uh, yeah, hitting, biting, throwing, taking, pushing, um, you know, being rough with pets, being rough with other children, with us, just, you know, not cooperating. Because if they feel agitated in their bodies, it's just like us. If they feel mm-hmm. agitated, it's very hard for them to be their natural, calm, gentle self. So what I love about aware parenting is rather than this this paradigm that we have in what I call the disconnected domination culture, that's a Marian method term, you know, where children are just annoying and just like, you know, they're, you know, we need to teach them to to behave, all of that paradigm. It's Yeah, all of that stuff. It's really understanding that children naturally, and babies too, they naturally want to sleep when they're tired. They are naturally gentle. They want to cooperate with us because they they love us and, you know, we're their safe people. Mm -hmm. They want to do all those things. And the more we can meet their needs and listen to their feelings, the more they naturally do that. So it's really this radical shift in not only looking at children, but actually all human beings, understanding 
that you know underneath it all we all want to be gentle we want to be connected we want to contribute it's it's such a beautiful paradigm and that's what we often say to people when they come to where parenting you know if you really get into it it's not just it probably won't just change the way you parent it will probably change the way you relate to yourself and everybody you know because you just mm. see things in a different mm. light definitely and i think what really helped me in the beginning to sort of digest it all was looking at it from the root of like all children's and all us as human beings, our natural state is to be connected and calm. So at really at any point that Elliot was showing signs of not being that, and you know, he had eaten within a reasonable time and all this kind of stuff, I could basically go, right, there's feelings. And that for me was like a good start was mm -hmm. like, you know, even it's as simple as he looks happy, like there's a smile on his face, but he pegs a toy like at something or someone even now I'm like, okay, there's some feelings there, but probably something that I struggle with still is going, okay, I can see you've got feelings there, but I almost, I noticed with me now, I almost depending on how I feel, I hesitate to be like, okay, do I need to put a, a what you term as loving limit or in aware parenting is that loving limit of like, obviously we talk, like I'm not going to let you throw the toy and I don't want you to hurt anyone. But yeah, can you talk a bit to loving limits and how setting those boundaries help with children being able to process their feelings and have those releases? Yeah, so it's really understanding that children will innately um, cry and rage when they have feelings bubbling up. But because most of us don't know this and we're learning and will inadvertently distract them at times, often it becomes harder for them just to naturally express those feelings. That's just part of the process. So whenever they're doing something um, in terms of their behavior that we're not enjoying we have we generally have two choices we can either move in lovingly with what's called attachment play so I actually didn't say that earlier on I said oh there are two ways that they can heal so one of them is through crying and raging with our loving support and in other words they they feel safe in the present with us emotionally mm -hmm. safe and they're revisiting a past stress or trauma and the other way which I didn't mention is something called attachment play so children also heal through this particular kind of play that um, you know through the play and through the laughter is another way that they actually get to heal it doesn't replace crying and raging but it's a, a part of it so really in, in any moment when children are doing things we find challenging we have a choice do we go mm. with attachment play or do we go with loving limits and so with with um hitting for example or biting or throwing or any of those things I mean we still can go in with attachment play and I can share about that but often it's really understanding they don't want to be doing that. So mm. I used to have this little mantra, which was if they were doing something kind of unenjoyable, I would, I'd have this little mantra, which would go, um, uh, they're not doing this deliberately. They're not enjoying it. They need my help to really help me not go into <laughs> unenjoyable ways of thinking about it. So just really moving in to go, they don't want to be hitting. They don't want to be throwing. This is big feelings that that are bubbling up. And you think about that again, that fight response that's mm -hmm. showing up. They need us to move in to keep them safe, to also make sure they don't become someone who's just constantly throwing or hitting or whatever it is, because that's not helpful for them to become someone who's like, oh, you know, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm a child that hits. Mm -hmm. So as soon as possible, moving in with this loving limit. And my definition of a loving limit is it's saying, no to the behavior and yes to the feelings that are causing the behavior. So we might move in um, ideally beforehand is ideal if we can get to it, which can be hard and we're not always going to, but you know, if they're clearly agitated Nancy and we can see something's bubbling and perhaps they're with another child, we can kind of stay close. And if they're about to throw, 
to actually to get their hand, not to, I wouldn't ever say take something out of their hand, but if they're about to throw a toy, for example, just holding their hand, holding the toy with their hand. And then we might just say, I'm not waiting for you to do that, sweetheart. I'm here to keep everyone safe. And I'm here and I'm listening. And then what we want is not for them just to go, oh, okay, I'll just stop doing that then, mummy. <laughs> well, we, we, because we're stopping mm. the behaviour, what's happening and we're saying yes to the feelings, we expect them to start going, mm. maybe start to pushing against us with the hand that has got the toy and starting moving into that raging, which is the expression of those unexpressed feelings that, you know, through, through the stress and trauma. So we might expect them to start, you know, trying to push us or, or depending if they're, you know, how old they are, they might start saying, that's not fair, no, stop, no, I want to do it. And we can just be, I know, sweetheart, I'm right here with you. I'm not willing for you to throw that. And I'm here and I'm listening. So that we're really expecting then some big feelings to show up. And basically the more we can listen to their big feelings, the less they're going to get to that point of the hitting or the throwing or the whatever mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. And I think as well, even as you're talking to that, I, I could hear a little voice in my head going, but like, am I doing it right if it goes on for X amount of time? And again, the other voice came back over there going, well, no, because like, I, it doesn't matter because when he's balanced, he's compliant. Like I can talk to him, Elliot, I'm saying my child, I can talk to my child and not say, oh, you know, I not can either. And, yeah, not my husband, could, could work for him too. Um, yeah, I can talk to Elliot and he's compliant, you know, he's balanced. So it, it would be fine. So it's like I, we just keep going until he's had his release. Is there anything in your parenting journey that really led you to connect with aware parenting? Did it, like I know obviously with all your studies and everything, what it kind of led you there. Was there anything that happened or like with your? Oh, yeah. Well, I talk a lot about this. I, I was born at 30 weeks myself so yeah. I, and I was in an incubator for five weeks. So uh, and I was so deeply affected by that as a ch- baby and child and, of course, People didn't really know about that stuff back yeah. then. So really as a teenager, I was like, yeah, I'm, I need to find out why I am the way I am. And mm-hmm. through doing my own healing, and there's so many decades basically of healing from that experience. So it's one of my passions to support parents so that their babies and children can heal while they're babies and children rather than waiting until they're adults. Because, you know, it was it's really tough if we've got unhealed big unhealed trauma including birth trauma and we don't get to heal from it until adulthood it really has massive effects on us as children so that's you know that's kind of my one of my passions as well as just practicing it with my children and seeing how incredible it is and yeah working with so many parents and seeing the you know it's really like a child going on a different trajectory in their life it's a completely Mm. different experience so, it's that whole yeah. thing of some people never find it and some people never realise that that's what they're, you know, traumatised from and but they'll be put into boxes like Kayla and I both worked in the school system or Kayla was a mm. school teacher and I worked in high school, but they're just labelled as like good boys and bad girls, mm. like, you know, bad boys, bad girls, all this kind of stuff. Yes. But, you know, there's so much more there, but they don't work with that because it's not built into the curriculum and all that kind of thing. It's, um, yes. yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing when you see it, yeah, on the flip though of like, yeah, how it can be, it can be just another way that all these children, and even just people, like you said, Marianne, as you start to go down this path, you really start to get empathy for everybody as well as yes. yourself to go, oh, wow, we are all just carrying a lot of feelings. Yeah. You know, um, I did want to ask you, and you did mention it about the attachment play. Um, for me, it was something that 
I, you've actually sparked my awareness to revisit that, especially at the age we're at now, um, because it is great to do the releases and all of that. And in simple, without even knowing really what attachment players personally haven't really looked into that much, we do just go back to a connection. So like after he had his big release, we went and played, like he looked for the monster trucks and I felt like it was the right time and we went into playing and we connected and we, it was great. But yeah, could you talk a little bit more about what attachment play is and how that can be used? Yeah, so there are nine forms of attachment play. So Aletha Swift has got a book on it, which I highly recommend. I was like, that's why I put this as a sidebar. I was trying to figure out how to feed the kids solids. And it's really understanding. So I have wild birds that come in my house. So that's what this is. Oh, my God, that's amazing. I'm just like, I don't get your background as flowers, but I'm just picturing you on this beautiful farm. I'm like, oh, my God. (laughs) It's like that. That's why I do have a background. Um, so they will come in to sing, which they often do when I talk about particular things. Look at them. Oh, They're wow. really low wow. to them. Yeah, attachment play is amazing. Because, again, They're really for it. They're like, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they are. Yeah, talk about that. It's, again, supporting children's natural healing that they are constantly trying to do. And what I love about attachment play is when parents start to learn about it, they go, ah, oh, but I'm already doing that. You know, like peekaboo. Mm. It's a thing that we naturally do. That it's, it's intact in many ways. But the more we understand what peekaboo is, for example, and what it's doing, so it's a form of separation play, a separation game, which supports babies and children to heal from experiences of separation or prepare for experiences of separation. So working with with schools makes an amazing, you know, for, for teachers, these are amazing kinds of things to understand. So each type of game can be used for particular things, often as I say, either to prepare children for things like a separation or going to the dentist or, uh, you know, Having whatever. Having a second baby? Yeah, Bring uh, your new yes, baby home? absolutely. Yeah, yes, yes, big time. And also healing from those experiences afterwards. And so children will naturally often try to do these things. So another one that's really powerful is power reversal games. So if children are often, say, hitting or biting or pushing or throwing it seems in the moment that they're feeling powerful, but they're actually feeling powerless. And if you think about it for us as parents, you know, when we start going into power over and trying to make them to do things, make them do things, it's often when we're feeling powerless as well. Mm-hmm. So what power reversal games do is they we swap that usual role where we have more power and they have less. And for that period of time, we pretend that, that they have more power. And we often do that in kind of mock silly, not not teasing in any way, gently compassionate. But so we might, um, one of my favorites was in, when they're in the swing and I'd be standing in front of them and pushing them. And every time the swing came back towards me, I'd pretend to go stumbling backwards. And I'd be, oh, no, no, no. Oh, my gosh. You're not going to push me over again, are you? And then every single time just fall, pretending to fall over in this big, exaggerated way. And if you're doing it and they're laughing, not tickling, tickling, isn't, we don't recommend doing that in aware parenting. But if they're laughing with power reversal game or any of these forms of attachment play, they're actually healing from powerlessness. Mm. So wow. they're actually feeling powerful. That, so they're releasing old feelings of powerlessness and they're feeling powerful in the moment. So any game where, you know, they're chasing us and we keep falling over and just say, oh, my gosh, you're so, how, how did you catch me again? Are you not going to do that again, are you? So where they're laughing, they're, they're releasing these feelings of powerlessness. And if you think about it, if you think about a two-year-old, they're so small. We're like, we're yeah. so huge. Yeah. And we're doing all this stuff every day that they can't do yet. We're driving cars and doing all this stuff. So it's really common for, ch- for small children to feel powerless a lot. 
So the more we play paraversal games with them, for example, the more they release that powerlessness. And again, it's less likely to build to the point of um, the pushing or the biting or the throwing or the taking all of those things. It doesn't ever replace crying and raging, but it's it's an incredible um, set of practices to really help parenting be much easier. There's ways to help children cooperate using that. It's, it's just amazing. And I think um, for mothers who might be a bit like me who always think, am I doing it right? Which most, most mothers do. Well, let's I be think honest. that's just very natural. <laughs> and you said about, you know, there's always a choice. You can go with the release mm. way, you can go with the attachment way. Is it really just sitting with your intuition and going, okay, right, what feels right in this moment? Is that really what it is? Yeah. Also, I just see parenting as uh, an experiment. So my background is is really observational research Mm -hmm. so what I see us as is constantly experimenting okay what happens my child's doing this I'm what happens if I move in with attachment play here what happens to them afterwards okay and then we we have this evidence for us to be constantly changing adjusting you know understanding our child because each child is unique so Mm. one form of attachment play might be helpful for one child and not do anything for another child mm-hmm. so it's i see us as researchers and i talk a lot about this because then it's also that the parent is the powerful one you know once you understand aware parenting you are the researcher you're the expert and it's through just day to day really observing the child and playing with these things that you get to understand deeply you know what's going on for them and what's the most helpful thing in any moment and yeah try it out what happens if I do attachment oh that's not really doing it. okay or maybe I'm moving with mm. a loving limit or actually no I'll try some of this nonsense play instead and see what yeah. happens so yeah in line with that question, I guess kind of leads on to this. Is there any practical tips or strategies that parents can use to integrate aware parenting into their busy lives? Yeah, so play is one of the most helpful things. I would say also there's a, one of the forms of play is called non-directed child-centred play, which is a bit of a mouthful. Yeah. <laughs> I used to call it present time as a little bit of a, yep. <laughs> um, as a like, you know, shorthand. So for young children under two, they, they need as much as possible one-on-one time. But once they get a bit older even if we just put in each day something like, even if it's 10 minutes uh, where we put a timer on and for that 10 minutes, it's great if we've already, I don't know, had a snack, had a drink. So Mm -hmm. for that 10 minutes or whatever amount of time is, we can just be really present. There you go. See the birds about it. (laughs) (laughs) We can be really present with the child and follow their lead. So there again, whatever they want to do, we're following their lead. We're doing what they want. We're, we're basically adoring them. We're like, you know, pouring our absolute adoration for that chunk of time. And it can be so helpful for us parents because I, I remember my children were younger and I'd aim to do a little bit of that every day. And at the end of the day, when I said, oh, you know, have I spent time with my children? I'd be like, yeah, I remember I did that, you know, X amount of what I call present time, non-directed mm-hmm. child yeah. time. What that does for children is children have such a core need for connection, as you know, connection and, and really love and just mm. to, to know that they're really important to us and that we really care about them. And so just that chunk of time, if you can do it every day, even if it's five or 10 minutes, can be actually more powerful than spending an hour with them where we're kind of, you know, half with them, which is a lot of the time, isn't it? We're busy and we're doing a lot of stuff. And I really love that you've put that out there, like the five to 10 minutes. Like it seems like such a short amount of time, but if it's going to work, because I, like I've been feeling 
a bit like that lately, trying to get stuff ready for the new baby coming. And, you know, you're at home cooking, all this kind of stuff. I do feel a bit like I'm disconnected maybe and maybe I'm not spending enough playtime with you. And we do spend a lot of time on the mat and, you know, try and put my phone away so I'm not near my phone. Um, But it's just nice to hear that, you know, even five to ten minutes can make a difference because we put so much pressure on ourselves. Even if it's two hours I've spent with him, I'm like, is that enough time? It just feels like it's never enough. Mm. I know, I so hear you. And it's actually a really great thing to do once you've had the baby to, to, if it's possible, you know, if you have a partner, for the partner to look after the baby for that chunk of time. If children have a sense that every day they're having a bit of time that they know that they can depend on every day, they will have, you know, 10 minutes with mum after the baby's born, that can make all the difference in the world. Oh, that's amazing. And they can also bring up feelings often, you know, especially if we have a timer and we we then talk about the end of the the non-directive child centre play, that will often be an opportunity for them to express feelings. So they might then start crying and so often it can be helpful to go to hold that in mind that at the end Mm. there may be some crying coming out and again that's wonderful because they're really when they feel connected it's the paradox when they feel connected they feel that emotional safety to share some of their deeper Mm. feelings with us so it can be really helpful at the end to say you know just to listen I hear you sweetheart you really want to spend more time with me I love playing with you too I'm right here I'm listening so that they can let some of those feelings out and it's just a beautiful time you know it's so over the years so many so many it's usually mums because I work with mums they'll say you know I'm doing this you know as many times as I can to help my child and then they just start realizing how much they love it too you know for us to actually just be present Mm, yeah really present really present and kind of really connecting back to how much we absolutely love our children and you know, focusing, I used to like focusing on their, like their freckles or their eyelashes. And yeah, I realized that actually was a really beautiful thing for me to do as well. So that's one of the things I love about that. Really simple, basic, yeah. easy. You can do it anywhere. You don't need yeah. any complex things. To, you know, it's just, just you and you and them together. Yeah. I, I love, love that. that. That's so yeah, good. I love that too. <laughs> I feel like we could talk for days, but um, I was going to ask the question, if there is any particular resources, books, workshops you would recommend to um, the listeners, is it? Who are including your own, obviously. Yeah, obviously, <laughs> your own. Well, um, obviously. Yeah, so last, last year I co-authored a book with Lael Stone, who used to be the, the host of the Aware Parenting podcast. So we've got a book called uh, Raising Resilient and Compassionate Children. That's about aware parenting. And I've got um, a baby's one just about to come out, which is called The Emotional Life of Babies. Which oh, I'm wow. Excited about. And, when does uh, that come out? I'm very interested. Imminently, in yeah. Yep. So it's like birth. I, I never like to say I don't oh, agree yes, with yep. I don't agree no with there being a due date. I don't Absolutely. agree with that. Just like, it's coming. It's Love coming that. soon. It's nearly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I've got another two on aware parenting coming out this year as well, including wow. one on sleep. But also I really, really, really recommend all of Aletha Salter's books. So she's got okay. six books and they're all amazing. She's, so she's got The Aware Baby, Tears and Tantrums, uh, Cooperative and Connected, uh, Raising Drug-Free Kids, um, attachment play did I say that one and yeah. then um, healing your traumatized child they're just incredible Book books for everything full of um, yeah just for everything so full of research really practical they're just really okay. amazing books yeah and, and um, yeah. sorry to interject, but I was going to say for the busy mum listening just thinking how can I get all these books in I will yes. say from my own experience of being that very new new mum in that first yes. 12 months and it, you're always busy as a mum let's be honest but yeah. the, your podcast is a great place to start like it really yeah. is there's so many resources in the like and gems in every episode so mm-hmm. I just wanted Thank to you. point to Thank that you. too 
I'm so glad. And I'm going to do um, an audio book for my new book as well. So, you know, oh, great. I know that. So that's usually yes. my first question. I'm yeah. like, is it an audio form? Yes. But none of those ones are. I but know. I, I will be doing them for my Amazing. next ones because I just know what it's like to be That's there. great yeah. news. Yeah, I do dream of the day when I can read a hard copy book again. <laughs> I'm a, I did start this week. Did you? Yeah, I started reading um, a manifesting book, but I did. I've been making time in the mornings and um Elliot is like we had we used to have like a cup of tea together on the on the lounge and yeah. then we uh, I'm like hey, I'm gonna put the tv on and he's getting some tv time and I sit there and read my book or yeah. I say to him you can read a book and I'm gonna read my book and That's I only get idea. like I think I've just dropped an expectation like I don't get to sit there and read it you know for hours on end but even if I get to read three pages like, but see by the time I read three pages I'd get back to it and forget what I'd read like with fresh in my brain at the moment I'd be like what was that book about fair. again I don't remember yeah yeah you you will again one day I one day. Yes. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then you'll go, oh, because you know what I miss having, you know, very well adult children pretty much <laughs> is it's really hard, isn't it? These early years are really hard, but they're also the most wondrous. And I'll probably cry, you know, and I should, when they're little, they invite us to deep connection and deep presence. And, you know, you're going to have so many years to, to read books, but this time is so yeah. precious. So. That's exactly right. Yeah. It is, definitely. Well, that will lead nicely into our question uh, that we ask our mothers on the podcast. Um, What is your favourite thing about motherhood? Um, Yeah, the unconditional love. That's Mm. it. Just like there's nothing like it, is there, to actually in those moments. And I know we don't feel that all the time, but just those those times when it's just like, oh, my God, it's just the most wondrous thing to see these beings that we love so much. You know, for me now that... Mine are 21 and 17, seeing them do what they love and, be, you know, be their unique selves. And I just, I'm just like, still every time I'm just like, oh, I just love you so much. <laughs> <laughs> love that. Yeah. Um, and on the flip to that very high note, um, what is something that you find the most challenging or the hardest part of motherhood? Your least favorite. Definitely that it really invites us to really look at the most painful places in ourselves to revisit the the most painful feelings, the most painful conditioning. I mean, it's the greatest invitation I've completely transformed in my 21 years of being a mum. So it's hard, but it's also an incredible invitation if we're willing to really say yes to that invitation. Kind of embrace it, that that's actually what's designed to happen. You know, I often talk about it's really, you know, from this process from the from the maiden to to the to the wise woman, that's motherhood. And mm-hmm. if we really embrace those invitations, how, if, however hard they are, that's what we become when they we have adult children. So yeah, definitely, yeah. isn't that just the polarity of it? Like it's painful to look within and to go to those parts, but it's like where you blossom and, yeah. and grow. That is beautiful exactly. too. Yes, yes, yes. Oh yeah, I love that one. And um, do you have any? mum hacks or things that make your life easier as a mum whether it was when your kids were little or even now like mm. yes yeah so that in my marion method work i have the part of the work is connecting with our inner loving parents so particularly our inner loving mother and our inner loving father and for me you know my inner dialogue used to be full of guilt and shame and self-judgment like more than anybody else i've ever met pretty much and now my inner dialogue is completely compassionate and so i have my inner loving mother with me at all times so at any point i'm feeling a feeling she's just here and she just says you know i'm right here sweetheart and i'm listening and I love you exactly as you are. So basically all that, that's what I love about this process is that all the things that we say to our children, all the times we're listening to their feelings and we're just saying, you know, I'm right here, sweetheart. I'm listening. I'm right here with you. 
is that we can also parent, reparent ourselves in using all the same processes, words, phrases, love. You know, it's mm-hmm. so powerful. So it yeah. is. Definitely, I love oh, that. I love that. Can I throw a spanner in the works? I know we haven't asked you the question. Um, but is there an episode of your Aware Parenting podcast that has been your biggest episode or if you can remember because you've got so many that yeah. you could suggest, you know, I mean, obviously people can go through and listen to the whole thing, but is there one that stands out where you're like, oh, my God, that had so much, um, you know, impact? Yeah. Um, well, we had Gabon Mate on the last one. That oh, wow. Was- we had Gabo Mate on. Obviously, that was a really big one, and it's had you know about nearly hundred thousand listens, I think. So, yeah, that's yes. that's probably a handy one to go. I mean, obviously, Definitely. he's talking a lot about his work, but you know, it's yeah. a fun one to start with if you if you want to start. But yeah, like yeah, I and apart from that, no, I just I love them all. Yeah, <laughs> I will say as well something I found because there is a lot, and like I'm I don't yeah. think I was like Tara where I just started at the start. I would just look yeah, for I like the, look at the title. And yeah. just feel like which one yeah. I was drawn to based yeah. on the title. It's yeah. everyone's different. It's like I everything do. is, and it? some people like yeah. to do mix and match. Yeah, I'm very much a timeline girl. Yeah, yeah. 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 But I do want to say more recently, I've been doing. I'm doing series now, so I, I did oh. a sleep series. So if you want to find out about where parenting sleep, which is life changing, that's really mm. the third way with sleep. You don't need to choose between. We might have to do a part two time. Every night for four years or five years or whatever, and you or or, you know, moving more towards kind of controlled crying type things. This is the third way where you can have secure attachment and sound sleep. So I'd probably recommend listening to that series. That's I've got a few weeks left before this baby comes to get that one in. Definitely. (laughs) And now and the series I'm doing at the moment is on the effects of birth. So I'm really enjoying that. That's better. Oh my gosh, this is made for me. Thank you, Marion. <laughs> no, I really, we really appreciate your time today. We know how busy you are. Um, oh, is it the cockatoos in my backyard? I don't yeah. know. Oh, you've got them. They're probably. We're talking. drawing all the birds in. Look at us. <laughs> Look up the meaning of that. Uh, but no, we really do appreciate your time and just your insight. It's been amazing. Um, yeah, yeah, thank you so much. So, and where can everybody find you? We'll obviously put it in the show notes, but is there anywhere in particular oh, that, that people can find you? Yeah, so my website is marionrose.net and um, Instagram underscore marion underscore rose. We'll share it, don't rose we? Underscore, <laughs> in the beginning, in the middle, and the end, yeah. yeah yep. Perfect. Well, thank, thank you. you so much. We oh, are so thank blessed you. to have had you. Yeah, and we thank, will, yeah, you. see you all next week. See you yeah. then. Thank you.